Welcome to Those Hard Conversations, a platform dedicated to discussing solutions to the issues facing our most vulnerable and marginalized communities. We use a harm reduction approach to explore practical strategies for positive change in communities facing undeniable challenges. Welcome, my name is Clayton Rooley. And I am Elvis Rosado. And you are listening to Those Hard Conversations, AKA THC, the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for the support and listening to us over the last few months. We're gonna keep it coming, uh, you know, as we move forward, always trying to uh, engage the audience with, uh, you know, some opinions and, and facts um, that, you know, are relevant, you know, in our world and hopefully in your world too. Um, you know, I think the major, you know, topic that we want to, you know, start out on, uh, is the recent, you know, legal decisions that happened with two cases, uh, involving, uh, shootings, uh, in America, uh, you know, both involving, um, you know, people who, uh, were, you know, trying to, in quotations, implement some type of justice for a crime which was either committed or thought to be committed. Uh, And we saw two different results. So uh, many people who are listening can probably imagine that when I speak of the two cases, I'm speaking about, A, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, um, which happened in the Midwest um, and uh, in Minnesota, Minneapolis specifically, uh, and I'm speaking about the Ahmaud Albury trial, which uh, happened in Georgia, where, uh, you know, respectively, you saw in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, uh, the young man um, who uh, had a gun, carried it over state lines, went to a protest uh, with the AR-15, uh, claimed he was protecting, um, you know, buildings and individuals uh, who were, I guess, against the protest uh, theme uh, and wind up, you know, killing two people and injuring another was found innocent on all charges. Uh, And the Albury case where a young man who was suspected of stealing things in uh, the community, in particular, a uh, unused, but being, I guess, either remodeled or Uh, built up house was basically tracked down and chased for uh, a period of time by three community members and uh, was shot and killed. Uh, The three people were found guilty in this instance. Um, You know, I will speak for myself and say that um, I think obviously in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, it was a travesty uh, and a lack of justice uh, in the case uh, as, you know, I feel like anytime, uh, whether you're an adult or a child, anytime you can, you know, come to another state with a firearm, whether it's registered or unregistered, legal or illegal, um, go to someone else's territory or, or you know, state, um, brandish a firearm, and then claim to be 
uh, on the side of uh, defending yourself um, against, in this case, two white individuals, uh, well, three white individuals, and get away with it tells us that the legal system has too many cracks in it. Um, also, I think that the judge in this case uh, definitely um, set a uh, negative precedent in that uh, he made it clear that the people who were killed should not be referenced as victims uh, in this, uh, you know, incident, but as protesters, as rioters, uh, as looters, um, but basically not as, um, you know, victims. And I think anytime that you, you know, have the loss of human life or the functionality of life, uh, you know, by someone uh, with a gun, uh, it, they can be or should be, you know, uh, referred to or can be referred to as victims. Um, where I see as the contrast with that in the Albury case, um, while not perfect, the judge in the Albury case was less uh, of a uh, less of a, I think, nuisance to the law by allowing, you know, the case to, I think, uh, be deliberated in a way that was a lot more uh, friendly for the prosecution. Not he was. Ahead, he was more he was more open minded. The one right. in, the one with the Albury case, he was more uh, uh, open minded. And let me let me say this right. I understand, and I, you know, because I can hear I can hear the conversations already. That um, you know, this is this is the the Albury was murdered. It was tried. The you know uh, uh, a jury of of peers of the defendants found them guilty because it was only one, I think one black person on the jury and the rest were white and whatnot. So justice Problem. was served. You know, why is it that it's, you know, people still continue to talk about this. And the reason that this conversation is being had, you know, and the reason that, that, that it sticks out and people are still kind of edgy about it or still, you know, feeling some kind of way, as I normally say is because Originally, the district attorney wasn't going to charge them. The original district attorney in this case had had let them go. Like this, they didn't get charged till two or three months. Like I think it was like two months afterwards, after they had killed them, because a video showed up. Had it not been for that third person in the truck who recorded everything and submitted that video so that they could see that they were quote unquote justified, they would have gotten away with this. They would have not gotten charged because right away, you know, they're like, oh, it was self-defense. He attacked me. He tried to take the gun from me, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you know, this is, and I, and I guess to some people, they can't understand this, but as, as individuals of color and communities of color, you know, and, and I'm not even going to include myself in this as a Latino, even though we've been subjected to. Uh, some harsh situations under you know with the law in this country but from a perspective of include yourself Elvis include but, yourself but, but let me say this but in, you know in the in the process of historically in this country for years and for for hundreds of years african americans were slaves and were treated a certain way and if they were chasing you it was not good for you and even in this country you know for a long time it's been that if you're running um, 
and they and they catch up with you. And, and let me and let me say this: I'm not even talking about police officers, but if a bunch of white people are chasing you, and you're black in a white neighborhood, you're going to do everything in your power to try to get away. But you know they're like, oh, but we were trying to talk to him. Yes, because the they didn't the way they presented in court is not the way that they presented when they were in the truck. Big red beard, red dude, you know, in a in a pickup truck chasing a black dude with a Confederate flag on the front bumper of the of the truck, you know, and you're chasing this guy with your pickup truck. And it was kind of funny that sometimes they were like, well, I don't understand if he really wanted to get away. Why didn't he cut through somebody's yard? Because then he'd be trespassing on that person's property and you'd be ju more justified. He stayed on a public narrow way. He stayed on the street where it was public. Yeah, where people could see him. Yes. At all times. At all times. And you continued to chase him. You know, they they tried to paint him as this horrific animal because the the one of the defense attorneys, she had the audacity to say his his dirty feet with, with claw-like nails and blah, blah, blah. Like he was, you know, she was trying to demonize him and make him look like this creature to the to the jury. But it's like desperate and, as shit. She was desperate. Yeah, and people people still don't understand. And I get it because it's hard for someone to understand what that feels like if you've never been subjected to it, right? If you've never been put in a situation where you are treated indifferently just because of who you are. And we had this conversation in a previous, um, Episode. one of our previous episodes where just based on your zip code, there's already a judgment passed on you. You know, and people, some people don't know what it's like to, to feel that because when their zip code is, is put in, it's like, ooh, you live in a nice neighborhood. You must be good people. Like, like this woman said to me one time, right? I was doing a Narcan training and um, out in, uh, in one of the counties and we were talking about the, the impact that drugs were having in communities. And she says, yeah, but you don't understand. This is now happening to good people from good families. Mm. And I had to like bite my tongue, take a deep breath, and I came back and, and I said to her, I said, ma'am, there are good family, there are good people from good families in every community. Just because somebody's a single parent or or is poor doesn't make them bad families. Right on, right on. Yeah. You know. So but, and um, this is and this is the thing that there is this people don't get it where a white kid who's walking in the middle of, as the judge put it, a riot and, you know, rioters and, and looters and whatnot. A white kid is running with an, walking with an AR-15 and he is not questioned. He's not stopped by He's anybody. He's not stopped or questioned by anybody other than the people that he shot, you know, but there is, there is a, a similar video online on one of the YouTube videos where this white guy's walking down the street, and I don't know what, what state it is, but he's walking down the street with an AR-15, and the cop stopped him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I have, I have permission, blah, blah, blah. Here's my card, my, my license to carry, and my phone, my phone. And they send him on his way. So this, uh, this black guy who also has same, same papers and everything decides, I'm going to try this. He does the same exact thing, and cops came out of everywhere, and they threw him to the ground, and he kept saying, I have a Put your hands there. He was a threat. So the white guy was not a threat, but the black guy was. And they were doing the same exact thing, carrying their gun down the street 
have papers to carry and everything else. And people don't understand that there is a bias in this country. As much as we hate to, to, to look at it and acknowledge it, there is a bias in this country where you look at somebody and you see one thing, you look at another person and because they're of a different color or different descent or they're dressed differently, you know, you have a different thought of them. So look, at, look at look at what's happened. I'm sorry. Look at what's happened. What recently happened at a at a at a Congress and Senate level, where the white politician made the comment about the the woman from from the Middle East. Oh, she didn't have. I didn't see a backpack, so I I didn't see her as a threat. You know, she made a comment basically about another another Member person Congress. in Congress. Yes, right. That oh, you know, basically calling her a terrorist. Because of who she is and where she comes from or where her family is or from. And some people say, oh, it's a joke. No, it's not a joke. It is the reality of the country that we live in. You know, and people don't get it. They don't get it that because they've never been subjected to it. So they're offended that, that people say that this happens because they don't want to believe that America, that the United States could be like that. Because that's the other thing. We say America, but America goes from South America all the way up to Canada. It's not just here, but so yeah, you were referencing Ilhan uh, Ilhan Omar, who represents yes. Ma- uh, Minnesota, and uh, Marjorie uh, Taylor Harris or Harris yes. Green, I believe, uh, yes. who uh, you know said those you know disrespectful comments. But you know, I wanted to share a couple of uh, you know tweets that stuck out with me so much that I posted them on my uh, personal Instagram page, Clayton underscore March fourth. Um, and one was from Imani Perry, who, you know, in speaking with or speaking about the Kyle Rittenhouse decision said, this case is a reminder that throughout U.S. history, white people who reject white supremacy thinking have been subject to white supremacist violence. Uh, we can think about, you know, the Freedom Riders uh, back in the day and how, you know, people who were peacefully protesting and joining in on civil rights marches down south were, you know, uh, you know, taken uh, and were found later in a, you know, a ditch or in a lake, a river, excuse me. Um, uh, I want to say the three uh, individuals whose names I'm, I'm missing out on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, in particular, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial um, says that, you know, you can, if you feel uh, unsafe, even though you're the one with the major firearm, uh, if you can shoot out or shoot and kill someone without any recourse, um, if you are a white male or a white person in general, um, you don't have to be uh, stopped and checked for anything. And in fact, we're going to think that you are part of the solution and not part of the problem in a majority of times. It's a very uh, scary slope to go down where you are emboldening, uh, uh, empowering, you know, people like Kyle Rittenhouse, um, not just to get away with this, but, you know, afterwards, uh, there are people uh, in Congress who are talking about him doing an internship with them. There are media types and, um, you know, other people in high places that are championing uh, championing his cause and saying that he was totally right and had every right to do what he wanted to do. Um, so in the end, you know, similar to, uh, not even similar to George Zimmerman on Trayvon Martin, 
Um, Because at least he didn't get offered, you know, some type of congressional internship. This kid thinks that what he did was absolutely right. He was shitting in his pants before the verdict came. And then because he had no accountability for his actions and no consequences for his actions, and now is being, you know, patted on the butt and then on the back for his actions. Now he's going to be a, uh, go from being a victim to being a champion in some people's eyes. Um, the, you know, judicial system has allowed for this to happen. This is where like the word of the law doesn't match up with the intentions of the law, which is you should not allow anybody, you know, white, black, green, purple to go across state lines being driven by his mommy to a protest carrying an assault rifle and be able to claim self-defense because he's the one that is, you know, threatening with the fact that he's walking around with the gun. There are so many holes that happen in this circumstance um, that it's unbelievable that it's allowed to happen. Um, and it's, it's, you know, outwardly as obviously a person of color, black man, it's disgusting that, you know, this is allowed to happen. Um, but the judge not putting his foot down and not letting this be viewed as serious, um, allowed that to happen. Uh, because, you know, the defense has, you know, the, the right to defend their client as they see fit. Um, the judge, you know, has to be impartial as best as possible. In the case of this judge, he was an elected official. I don't know how he got the case. Um, you know, so that, you know, also speaks to like, you know, not only like jury selection questions, but judicial, uh, you know, judge selection issues. Um, you know, this guy, you know, early in the game, you know, decided, and it's not a game, early in this trial, decided, you know, where the line was going to be drawn, and it clearly favored uh, the defense, um, and that shouldn't be. If we want justice, uh, we cannot, you know, allow the railroading uh, to happen in the way in which it happened in this case. Yeah. Um, you and, know, go ahead. No, and I was going to say, right, and and that, because there, there's going to be the, the there's going to be those folks that are going to say, well, you know, he had a right, he was there, he was carrying, blah blah blah, he didn't do anything wrong besides um, kill people, besides pe- kill people, but kill people is <clears throat> wrong. You know, people want to delineate between killing and you know the term murder. If you kill someone, you're murdering people. It doesn't mean that you are, you know. It doesn't mean it was justified, unjustified, but to say that you killed someone, uh, to me, and I might be wrong, but I think I'm right. You know, you did murder somebody, you know, it doesn't matter whether you had justification or not. So for the folks out there, and I'll let you continue who say, oh, well, he didn't murder two people. Yeah, you murdered two people. You might not have, you know, I guess you got off with the justification for the murder, but you murdered two people. You know, don't try to make this, you know, two different things. Okay, sorry. So what I was getting at is that, you know, if if you look at the situation and and, and people are going to hate that I'm going to say this, but if he had been black, he'd be under the jail right now. No, he'd be now, dead. He'd be dead. Well, he, he probably would have. Yeah, they would have shot him when, when he was walking down towards the, you know through the crowd with the with the AR15 
But this is, and this is, and for people who 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 want to argue and say, well, I don't know, you you can't say that. Yeah, I can. Look at 2014, right? In 2014, um, what was his name? Philando Tamir Tamir Rice. Oh, right, right. A 12 year old kid was playing in a park with a toy gun or a BB gun. In he was Ohio, playing yeah. cops and robbers. Somebody called and said there was a man with a gun waving it at people at the park. The police showed up. They didn't. They didn't say put the gun down. They didn't. As soon as and there's a video of it. You see that as soon as they get out and they he turns around towards them, they shoot him. Right? They killed this twenty year this twelve year old kid because he was playing cops and robbers. So you got you got all these neighborhoods outside of the inner city where kids play. They play paintball and they go hunting and they play cops and robbers and no one reports them or calls the cops or says, you know, they're pointing guns around. And if even if the cops come, they're not threatened by these kids running around. They're like, hey, what are you doing? You know, this kid was murdered because, you know, you didn't give him a chance to let you know that he had a toy gun. You never, They never even assumed or took into consideration, this is a kid who's playing in the park. You know, he's not, he's not, he hasn't shot anybody. He hasn't fired anything. So let's take into consideration that it might not be a real gun. Right. No charges were filed against the police officers. The investigation was closed. The family was later later filed a, a civil suit and was given six million dollars by the city. So basically, um, Tamir's life was worth a half a million dollars for every year that he lived. Right. The city actually tried at one point. The city actually tried to charge the family for his ambulance ride to the hospital. Mm -mm. You know, you killed my child and now you want me to pay for the ambulance that that took him to the hospital. But this is this is the point. The point is that a 12-year-old kid with a toy gun was seen as a threat immediately. A white kid running through a mob, as they so put it, through a riot with an AR-15 was not seen as a threat and was let go, wasn't even questioned. And if you don't see the difference is there. If you don't see that, you know, then you're, you're, you're definitely, you know, not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, so two things that I wrote down as you were speaking that I need to, you know, press upon is, uh, a, obviously, you know, you're, you're right in, in these cases, but they're, you know, as a black man, I'm getting sick and tired of the criminal cases falling in the favor of the, the, you know, defense who did something heinous, but the civil trial going to, you know, the family that was affected. Yeah. Um, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to say that the person didn't commit murder or, or didn't connect, uh, committed a justifiable murder, or they, they did this as self-defense, but then later on say, yeah, but we're going to reward you millions of dollars. The millions of dollars isn't going to bring back that child. Nope. And also it doesn't you know, hold the person accountable who did the crime, whether it's a police officer or in this case, Kyle Rittenhouse. And mind you, we don't you know a civil trial hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it will. And I'm sure somehow, some way, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse or his his estate or whatever. I, mean, I don't think he has an estate, but someone's going to be found guilty. And or, you know, the, the Minneapolis police force or the city of Minneapolis is going to have to dole out millions of dollars to the family members who were killed in or injured in this case. 
Um, well, which, me, which is more around, you know, also think about big picture. That's taxpayers dollars that's going to facilitate these, you know, payouts. So but part for, of that, let me cut you off for a minute. But part of that is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, from a therapeutic standpoint, I wonder how much of that is actually their conscience messing with them because it they is. feel guilty and they will, you know what, I'm, we're going to give them millions of dollars. At least we, we acknowledge something. No, you acknowledge the fact that you acknowledge financially that, it, that an injustice happened, then you should go back and look at the case again then, because if you're willing to pay money to acknowledge, yes, th this was, a, this was wrong. Then you should also be considering that that person who, who, who did the wrong should be held accountable for that. Unfortunately, with double jeopardy, you can't do that. Oh, no, no, and, I know. And they know that. And depending on who you are, especially if you're a white person or if you're, you know, in the legal system or you're in the criminal justice system or you're a police officer, they'd rather shell out the money, which is around taxpayers and maybe around that individual if they have enough money than to actually, you know, enforce the laws that everyone else has to deal with on those individuals, which imagine, is still a slap in the face. Imagine, imagine if the if the um the civil suit that paid the six million dollars had happened before they decided to look at whether or not criminal charges should be filed. Mm -hmm. Then it, then it would have been like, wait, you're acknowledging that something was wrong, and you want to give them six million dollars, but you don't want to acknowledge that now in court when it comes to whether or not this person should be you know, charged. And that, and like you said, they'll, they'll do the criminal charge first. And then because of double jeopardy, they can later say, well, you know, we're willing, maybe, maybe something did go wrong. Maybe we didn't see it, but the trial's over now. There's nothing we can do. It's already been, you know, so we're going to go ahead and give you some money. But at the end of the day, you know, people are like, oh, well, they got paid. No, you don't understand the guilt that comes with that, with that money for that family as well. I had a I have a friend of mine whose daughter, she was having she had a, a a hole in her heart, what they call a hole in the heart, like a heart murmur, and she took her to the hospital and they told her her daughter was fine. She took her home and her daughter died, and the hospital ended up giving her I think it was like eight nine million dollars, for over ten years that money sat in a bank account, and she refused to touch it because she kept saying, the minute I touch any of that money, I've put a price on my daughter's life. She eventually came around and did a lot of charitable work and, you know, bought herself a little house and a car. But most of the money she gave away and used it for charity because the guilt of her accepting money for her daughter's life was was worse than than the fact that she had lost her daughter. And people think, oh, well, we're going to give them six million dollars. They're going to be happy. Yeah, it's painful, but they'll get over it. At least they'll live good. No, no, because every time I look at that money. It's letting me know that this came at the price of my son's life, of my child's life. And there isn't a dollar amount. I would probably use that money in every way possible to get back at the people who took my child's life. I mean, you know? in, in the end, it's, you know, this brings board, it springboards us to a previous conversation that we had around violence. Why do people feel like it's okay to, you know, to... Uh, use violence on people because they see justification in the courts. They see justification uh, in the news um, because, you know, they don't see accountability and consequences for people who use violence. Um, you know, the fear with the Ahmaud uh, Arbery trial in particular was if those three guys get got off, 
that, uh, you know, the fear was that it would basically say that modern day lynching, you know, was acceptable, you know, open season, open Open season season on black people. And even though he was found, you know, those three people were still found guilty. The fact that, you know, like you said earlier, it wasn't brought to, you know, charges until later. And the fact that people actually had to sweat on this uh, as as a community, as uh, as a family tells you that we still have a long way to go. And as far as the Rittenhouse trial, the fact that this guy basically could claim self-defense and kill two people and injure one basically says if you're white, even though you have everything in your in your in your back pocket, as far as privilege goes, you can get away with killing people just out of fear. Like so if someone walks by me and they say hi as a black man, can I say that I'm fearful and shoot them and get away with it? No. If I'm white, we're probably going to hear a case about that in the future because uh, the person was large and and black and dark skinned, and I was the angry black man. When they said when they said hello, I thought the next thing they were going to do was ask me for my wallet, my watch, my keys, my sneakers, my jacket. So I pulled out a knife, I pulled out a gun, and shot them. This is the precedent that we are, you know. A setting up right now. And I, you know, you know, we don't want to go too much longer, even though we could go another hour on this. Yeah. But I think the other commonalities of, you know, both of these cases is you have an individual in Kyle Rittenhouse and you have three individuals and three guys in Georgia that, you know, killed, murdered Ahmed Aubrey that could have minded their business. Yeah. Could have minded Pardon my French, could have minded their fucking business and we wouldn't have had the loss of life that we had right now. So we regularly on those hard conversations talk about engaging people and having conversations with, with people. And if you see p- something, saying something to people. But I'm going to say this with all due respect, when it comes to White people trying to be vigilantes in particular, trying to uh, uh, inert or not inert, trying to exact some sort sort of community justice, trying to be, um, you know, the 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 judge juror or the executioner. We need no more of that. It's been done enough throughout history. What you need to do is mind your business. Well, not even please that. Let me, your, let me please mind your business and get it. Get to you know if you have a concern, go to the proper authorities. Do not try to enact community justice by pulling out guns or hunting down people. Um, it, it, it has been something that you know people of color uh, and other minorities have been fearful uh, throughout their existence in this country, and it's not a good look for you. Go and for and let me. Let me say, you know, let's say let's say they they were concerned. Let's take it it's their neighborhood, blah blah blah, they were concerned. They they pulled up in their truck, they pulled up beside them and said, "Let me I want to talk to you." He turned around and decides to go back the other way. All he had to do was put his car in park, open the door, step out and as he was running away, say, "Listen, we've had complaints about the uh, the, the construction in the house. If it's you, we need you to stay out of there. Next time we see you, we're going to call the police." That could have been the extreme, still wrong, because they didn't they didn't question, you know, they weren't running around chasing 
there was apparently a white couple that went into the house and there were some kids that went into the houses. You didn't see them chasing them down the street trying to talk to them. But my thing is that if you felt any type of concern, if you wanted to, to leave a message, you could have just said, listen, um, there've been complaints. There's some, there's, you know, there's people on video, there's complaints in the house. If we find out that you're going into the house, we're going to have to call the police and report you. That's it. That should have been the extreme. And that's, again, that's still wrong because just because it was a black guy running down the street, you decided this has to be the guy committing the crime. You know, black guy running. Why is a black guy running? He must've did something wrong. Why is a black guy not want to talk to us? Why is a black yeah. guy trying to avoid us? That doesn't mean he has to die. So, no. I, I, you know, I will not take back what I said, but I will say we don't need vigilante policing. We don't. Especially coming from white people, because you already have a system that benefits you. If you would have called the cops, you probably could have gotten Ahmaud Aubrey in particular, you know, picked up from his house or wherever he was staying and handcuffed for little to no actual evidence besides the fact that he was black and doing it, but he would have been alive to fight, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, court or, or charges he would have had. Instead, you had people that wanted to be vigilantes, wanted to be community policing, and, you know, they decided to take, you know, the laws or, or the laws, you know, they're already in their favor to extremes, and now you have a dead person. Um, and in the Rittenhouse situation, you trying to protect buildings and protect people that are against, I guess, Black Lives Matter or or, you know, you know, George Floyd, you know, having a right to live and not being choked for nine minutes. You decide to take it in your hands, go to another state when, you know, you can let the systems that already benefit you function a lot better than being a vigilante. So no, no vigilante justice. Uh, in this case, or these cases, uh, was needed. Um, if I have any, you know, suggestions for folks moving forward, uh, as we say always, please be careful with not what you do, but how you do it. Um, mm -hmm. We lost lives uh, in this case, uh, and you know, in one case, it was I think you know, decision was just, if not unfortunately, a little bit too timely or too untimely. Uh, in the other case, justice was not served, in my opinion. Um, and we have a slippery slope that's going to continue to happen if we have more cases that end up like this. But the vigilanteism um, coming from white people especially uh, is very alarming. And I think it gives credence to more of it happening unless we have, you know, better systems of, of justice for not just some people, but for all people. And let me and let me just say, you know, just to, to add to what you were saying, you know, keep in mind that we're not generalizing because we have a lot of we know a lot of individuals that 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 understand what we're talking about and support what we're talking about. We're talking about a, a, a population of individuals that carry this hatred, that carry these this animosity and these feelings towards people of color. And unfortunately, as a result of, of the person that was in charge of the country in the last, the last round, you know, they were, they were emboldened. emboldened. There you go. That's the word emboldened to be themselves. You know, I mean, remember that a bunch of people carrying torches were said, well, there's a lot of good people in there. You know, right. and even though what they stood for. Yeah. That's like saying that, you know, that's like like him saying that when when 
was when the Jews were being were slaughtered in 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 Germany. Oh yeah, but but there was a lot of good people in the Germans in the Nazis. You know, you 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 have to look at uh, what is it we say? You have to call a spade a spade. You know, and you have to understand that if you see some, if you see something like you said earlier, and like we had had conversations in the past, say something. If you see that your neighbor is being a bigot in their language and the way they talk about other other you know people of color, if you back that, then you are complicit. You know, silence against racism, you're being complicit. If you don't speak against, you know, the the atrocities that happen in this country, the unbalance in in legal justice, where if you're somebody of color and you get detained and and they want to ask you a question, they don't just ask you the question for their own safety, for my safety and yours. I'm going to have to put you in handcuffs until I can figure out what's going on. But if you are somebody, if you're an affluent white person, you get the and and look. My own personal experience. I was working at a, at the schools. Our office was in Center City. We see this guy wandering around the building, and one of our laptops went missing. Mind you, it's a white guy. He goes up to the. We're on the third floor. He goes up to the fourth floor. We get up there, and the fourth floor office has caught him going through their stuff. So he decides to try to make a run for it. Myself and my coworker, who was Afri- he was actually African. Because he wasn't just African American, he was actually African. He's a citizen now, but you know he was a citizen at the time. But he was from Africa. We detained the guy. Police comes into the building, and the first thing they said to us was, "Get your hands off of him!" And we were like, "We caught him stealing. Get your hands off of him!" So we let him go. Who are you, and why are you holding him? And I said, "We caught him stealing." Oh, well, that's your opinion. And I'm like, "No, we caught him stealing." No, and they were about to let him go. When another officer comes in through the door and says to him, hey, he meets the description from another office building down the street. They saw him stealing. And then they grabbed him. They brought him outside. They talked to him for a little while. Then they put him in handcuffs and they took him towards the car. But even in the situation where we stopped somebody who was literally stealing in our building because of who we were and how we looked, we were the ones that were questioned we were the ones that were challenged. Why were we detaining this clean cut looking white kid? Because God forbid that he's a thief. You know, so for those individuals that say, oh no, well, you know, you guys are blowing this out of proportion. No, pay attention when you get stopped as, as somebody who is not of, a person of color, when the police stops you and pay attention. Yeah. Are there some people who get stopped to get indignant and stupid and, you know, they, they make the situation worse? Yeah, Hell there yeah. are. Definitely. You know, but- at the end of the day, a lot of it comes from, you know, prolonged and constant harassment of somebody just because of how they look, you know, so. And it's important that, you know, you recognize as as, as a person who typically has been in that position that you use your power, you know, wisely and that you don't make every circumstance into a circumstance where it can get blown out of proportion so that when it does happen you know that you have to, you know, that you have, you know, a right. You know, it's like the person who calls, you know, cries wolf all the time. If you cry wolf all the time, then when actually wolf is here, you know, people don't believe you. 
So if every time someone questions you about something, you turn it into uh, a sexual thing or a racial thing or some type of you know prejudice or discrimination thing uh, without actually trying to get to the bottom of why this is happening, you know, some folks won't believe you. But th it's clear in these two incidents that this wasn't the case. Uh, this was clear uh, privilege that was allowed to happen for yep. an extenuated period of time. And in one case, you saw that the person who exercised his privilege was actually, you know, let go and is actually being celebrated. Uh, and in the other case, in part because of, you know, better you know, strategy by prosecution, but also because of a less, um, a less biased judge, uh, justice in this case was actually served. So please keep that in mind uh, as we move forward. Um, you know, we want people to speak up when they see something, but remember, it's not what you do. It's how you do it, not what you say, but how you say it. That's really important. Amen. And we will continue to have conversations like these uh, as we move forward. Um, but we want to thank you for your time listening to us today. Uh, we know that it can be traumatizing for some folks to even revisit this from a, a third person perspective. Uh, but, you know, we want to have those hard conversations with our listeners. We appreciate feedback that we get. Uh, and we're going to keep on, you know, doing it because it needs to happen until it doesn't need to happen. Um, yep. So uh, once again, thank you, guys. I'm Clayton Ruley. And thanks again, folks. My name is Elvis Rosado. And these are those hard conversations. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Thanks for listening to THC. Follow us on Facebook at Those Hard Conversations. Or visit our website at thosehardconversations.com. <laughs>